0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show about City through and through, but for this forthcoming season, we also have an affiliation with Birmingham City, Leicester City, West Brom, Not Forest, Not County, Wolves, Walsall, Burton Albion, Coventry City, Owen oh Solihull Moors, up the moors. Today we're going to risk even further wrath from Villa fans by talking about Jack Grealish again and the latest developments of a transfer that's starting to feel a bit inevitable. And there'll be some Harry Kane talk too, of course. But mainly we'll be looking around the transfer window as a whole, assessing which clubs have done good business so far, and who needs to pull their finger out. A forewarning, there may be some positive words spoken about Raphael Varane. To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by someone so positive and upbeat, he's not in, in the no, he's in the yes. It's Lloyd. Hello sir, you well? Morning mate. Yes, I'm good. I'm good. I'm on holiday this week, so
1: Oh are you? Yeah, oh right. Good. Nice. How have you spent it? Uh we well we were dabbling with trying to go away, as in out, out of the country, but just it was a bit of a hassle to organise. So we're just in Somerset. Um in like uh yeah, in one of the villages. Um kind nice. of near like
0: Longley, um the uh, like Safari, the big like Safari Park. Is that the bloke, the really weird bloke who owned all those lions and he was, he was in the sun years ago when I was a kid? Do you know
1: oh, about I, him? I,
0: no, I don't. Ah, do you know is me, it, I think I he right. was Lord, Lord Longleat, and I think I may be wrong and I don't want to be sued here, but I believe he had numerous wives and he. Lived with lions or something. I don't know. I'm going back to a childhood here. But Sounds he's... like that Tiger King thing. Yeah, exactly. He he was very. He was a very British eccentric uh, from the aristocracy, um, and he used to always be in the newspapers as a kid. But um, yeah, I, I, I him, bl- Yeah, yeah, I think it is definitely him because it was Lord Longley, too, so it makes sense. So, so is it a nice area? Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Never been down here before. Um, there are all
1: these places in the south now that are starting to visit I'm a while. Mm. maybe some of it isn't so bad but uh, (laughs) yeah yeah you want to get yourself up north
0: mate by the time mate by the time yeah we we miss you let's just put it that way (laughs) it's it's not the same without you right shall we get started and oh there's only one place to start isn't it it feels like city fans villa fans the rest of football everyone's talking about one man right now um and even though it involves City, and even though it's very exciting, to be fair, um, I kind of just want Jack Grealish done and dusted at this point. Um, mm. How do you feel, first of all, about us signing Jack Grealish? Let's say it's somewhere in the region of, you know, 80 million, 80 to 100 million. It's a lot of money for us, obviously. We've got a lot of very good players who play in and around his position. How, how do you feel about, about it all? Look, I think... First emotion is just excitement. Like, yeah, he's he's
1: an he's an amazing player. Um, probably a slightly different to the profile that we usually sign in. That I think you know he's a good example of football careers aren't completely linear, and he's developed a little bit later than you know, um, say a traditional kind of attacking mid- midfielder. If you look at you know a or Sterling or Foden or you know that that kind of player. Um, mm-hmm in terms of age, I mean, he's 25 now, but I think, you know, last season in the Premier League, even if you exclude the Euros, just his performances, um, you know, his numbers in a team that are, you know, comfortably mid-table and just the, the, the manner in which he kind of just dominates games and just completely like controls from a creative side. Um, It's just a joy to watch as well. I think as a, Probably as a dribbler as well, he's probably the closest thing to Hazard since Hazard's been in the league. Uh, Just that ability to just kind of come in off the left and literally take three or four or five blokes with him. He's obviously the most foul player in the league as well. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's (laughs) it's such an exciting signing and I think he's just such a silky footballer. Mm -hmm. I think I said a few times, kind of going back about a, a couple of months now, I think for me, I said, if 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 it's Bernardo out and Jack Grealish in, I do feel um, slightly that it does leave us a little bit top heavy, um, in the sense that you know Sam's saying, and obviously it's really well sourced, that uh, Pep and City see him as playing in the number eight position. Mm. I, I think that's that seemed a bit surprising to me because whenever I've watched Grealish, I, he's always kind of had that left winger maybe someone that could play inside, but really, again, I've just mentioned him before, but in the mould of someone that's like Hazard, you know, very creative from the left, uh, does cut in, um, but it's kind of a traveller with the ball, less of a guy, you know, a bit like we see from David Silva or Gundogan, who kind of sits in the pocket and kind of receives the ball and immediately distributes it. Grealish kind of likes to hold on to it, travel through the thirds, draw men on. So, I think that's kind of interesting in that it, I feel I feel yeah I do feel for me he's more of a Jesus replacement in the squad than a Bernardo, mm. um, but clearly Bernardo is the one that it looks like is most likely to go. And clearly, <clears throat> I'm saying that from you know the perspective of having watched Grealish myself, which is not as much as you know say a Villa fan who might be able to give a slightly different perspective. And equally, you know I think we all thought Foden, you know. Uh, probably a year ago, 18 months ago, was going to end up playing in that number eight position and he's ended up himself yeah. becoming like a, a winger as well. So I I would feel like we're slightly seeding a little bit of um kind of midfield, uh, well, yes, yeah, midfield numbers and someone who can bring in a little bit more control, but clearly Pep and the coaching staff think that, you know, uh, one-off Foden or it sounds like Grealish, can kind of adapt to play that role, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. I just think from that squad side, it's quite interesting. But I imagine if it does get announced and go through, I'm sure there'll be kind of a bit of a brief from City and maybe some quotes from Peppers to where they see him
0: kind of fitting in. Yeah, how would you feel if Jack came and he did adapt his game and and he, he you know is perfectly capable of doing that? Of course, he's got the skill set to do that. But let's say he is playing a Nat Gundo role and he's kind of, you know, it's all one-touch football. It's all kind of, you know, it's all good stuff, easy on the eye. But at the same time, are we wasting Jack Grealish share? Because so much of his strength is, as you say, the, the kind of penetration he offers for carries. Um, so much of his stats are based around his carries. And, you know, even mm-hmm. going back to how he's the most foul player... In the Premier League, which is a huge plus. Let's be honest. You know, you want a a player in your team who gets fouled repeatedly because you know it leads to set pieces, it leads to dangerous situations. So, if he's not doing that aspect of his game, then isn't it a case where you know perhaps I'm oversimplifying it here, but other players could do that job as an eight? Really, you know, what's the point in buying this specialist player who you know performs this specialist role so brilliantly? and then getting him to do something else. You mean like coaching it out of him kind of thing? Yeah, well, you're just kind of not utilising his strengths, really. Oh, yeah. Even if he does adapt to it as, as a number eight, which he will, I think, you're kind of just not playing him in his best position. Yeah, well, I know what you mean, but I think clearly City will...
1: If, that, if he was to play there, we'd have to change how we play a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. There's just no way we could play with some of the... Like to use Pep's word, like pauser and control of last season, where you have you know uh, Bernardo Gundogan, Kev, Kev Foden, all basically playing, rotating in and around those kind of central positions with a false nine, where we literally just kill teams with the ball and they can't get hold of it, and we just suffocate them. That wouldn't we would I don't think we'd be able to play that style if you had say. The Bruiner and Grealish as your two number eights. It would be a lot more, like, I don't know, it would be a lot more harem-scarum. You know, you'd be kind of moving up the pitch a lot quicker. We wouldn't have that kind of Sil- David Silver or Gundogan influence where someone's going to, you know, slow us down, put their foot on the ball. You know, you've, we've seen it loads of times with those two where I think actually as fans, we're in the ground or sat on the couch kind of screaming for them to speed it up, but often in those kind of situations, they just take a moment, don't they, just to kind of survey their options um, and get everybody into the positions that Pep wants so that we can then kind of find those little pockets. But, yeah, look, I think it's really interesting. I I think all I'm coming at it from is just with our, you know, level of football knowledge, which is, you know, poor at best, um, (laughs) on, on, on what we can see. Foden, to me, seems like the one that's more likely to play in that position. I would have thought Mm-hmm. Um, long term and Grealish from what I've seen anyway his skill set really seems like a guy that plays on the left wing um, so I'm really interested to see how, how it plays out and I, yeah I'm sure we'll hear more from um, Pep and the coaching staff and Carl If etc if it does finally go through because yeah like I say on paper to me it seems like wow we've got loads of kind of attacking wide mm-hmm. men and maybe not enough in that more kind of number eight position but I'm sure I'm
0: sure the club will plan as, as a fan I mean obviously we've been spoiled rotten haven't we these past few years um, how much does it excite you the prospect of Jack Grealish Kevin De Bruyne Phil Foden Raz playing together in the same game for the same team the team that you love and you're at the you're at the game you're watching them how much does that prospect excite you just just as a, as a football supporter yeah, it's filth, isn't it? <laughs> it really that, is, isn't
1: it? <laughs> it? It's absolute filth. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think, you know, when I've kind of felt when Silver left, you know, probably my favourite player um, whilst I've been watching City. Oh. It's like, God, we're never, we're never going to have it this good again. I think you feel the same when Aguero leaves and I feel Aguero is slightly different because he's such a unique kind of skill set and they are, even though, you know, your David Silver's literally... Come, come along once in a generation and we managed to keep him for 10 years to get a number nine with that skill set, so, so rare um, and look here we are speaking about potentially signing Jack Grealish and Harry Kane this summer to add to our already you know, absolutely stacked squad, um, so yeah I mean it does it does feel a little bit like kind of FIFA when you think back to it. <laughs> yeah. when I think back to like you know, the shoot pierce season where I remember going from <laughs> Boxing Day to May, we didn't score and, you know, bottom top scored with six goals and I remember turning to my dad at the end of that season just being like, are we, are we going to renew next year? What do you reckon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Will it always um, be like
1: this? <laughs> this is real, like, because I was, I think I was about, well, I was about 11, 12, just like, mm, that wasn't that fun for four or like, five <laughs> months. Um, obviously we stuck with it but yeah I mean to 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 think back to that and then you say just you're literally reeling like the hot property of European football off the end of your tongue um, yeah it would just give us unbelievable options um but I I'd, I'd actually like to pass it to you Steve like where do you have any concerns about that where do you see him fitting in like where from watching him do
0: you think like his skill set kind of puts him <laughs> on the pitch? Well, I mean, kind of the question I pose to you pretty much applies to me, I guess. You know, that that is my only concern. Um, the fact that we would be missing out on his, you know, his best strengths and then, you know, a lot of the reasons why he is the player that he is. Um, but then I, I think back to Bernardo Silva and if, from seeing him in Monaco and then seeing him in that first season with City, if someone told me that, you know, a year from now you would prefer him to play. In central midfield, then out as one of the wide, you know, front three. Um, I wouldn't have believed him. I, I would have thought, well, no, because then you're missing out on the Bernardo That's Silva. It, you know, because Bernardo, when he, when he came, he was well, obviously a build as well, so that that was a factor. And you thought, well, physically, he's not really going to kind of work in there. But also, you know, his dribbling, and you know, is kind of his, his crosses, everything about him screamed wide man to me. Um, and then just seeing him so tenacious in the middle of the park and, and that vision that he had and this touch that he had and essentially transplanting, to use very old-fashioned terminology here, but transplanting a winger into, you know, a, a, a box-to-box midfielder. Ooh. I wouldn't have thought that would really work, and yet Bernardo made it work, and, and he was all the better player for it. So if that's the case with Jack Grealish, but... Ah, as I use the word concern. It's not really a concern. No, it's all good. If you're saying Jack Grealish, it's all good. I mean, I would be absolutely gutted to lose Bernardo Silva. I I, I love that lad. Um, it transcends football for me because I just really like him as a person. And I like the fact that that person plays for my team. Um, so I really relate to him and, and I like him. Um, but So it will be heartbreaking to see him go... But, yeah, Jack Greenish, he's, he's, there's a lot to love about that lad. Uh, and if we sign Harry Kane as well, oh boy. I, and what's really kind of... We talked about this on Wednesday, me and Howard and, and Chris, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on how some City fans aren't so sure about Harry Kane. They, they think that Harlan's the better signing, perhaps we should wait a year. and um, They're concerned about his age, Harry Kane, and, and his injury problems in the past. And, and there are a couple as well who just... Don't think he's all that. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, no one's right, no one's wrong. It's all subjective, it's all opinion. But personally, he's, yeah. he's a, he's a blue-chip striker, surely. I mean, there's no there's no point in us putting forward the stats on Harry Kane. We've seen it with our own eyes in the last five or six years. He is, he's a phenomenal striker, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, Kane
1: is utterly, utterly world-class. Um yeah, I think with Kane, as opposed to Grealish, there are like, there are more valid concerns. I think yeah. as, a, as a fan, you can put forward, even though I would kind of disagree, I think you can put forward a more cogent and stronger argument as to why you might not want City to sign him. Um, fair. Yeah, you know his age, twenty-eight, is obviously a factor. It's yeah, it's a big factor. It's very un-City to sign a player of that kind of profile. And obviously his injury record as well is not fantastic. So I think when you're talking about the kind of money for Kane that we are, it's, you know I can understand why some fans are, are concerned and think that Haaland's the better option. You know, I think if we're looking at the next 10 years, then obviously Haaland is the better option, but that's presuming that we're going to sign Erling Haaland, which is a massive presumption and probably not going to happen. Um, I think it's become clear over the last kind of six months, probably since January, that Haaland not only probably isn't happening to City, but isn't happening this summer, unless Chelsea pull an absolutely like Neymar-level deal out of their hat, which maybe it happens, but I'd, I would say it's unlikely. Um, he's not moving this summer. And unfortunately, S- City, we've put ourselves in a situation that we're in, and actually we're paying the price a little bit for not dealing with the number nine situation over the last two summers that we have to sign one this summer. And, you know, I think that there's an element that I think you can be a bit critical of the club for that, but we're in the situation we're in. You can't kind of look back and he is by far and away the best option available this summer. Pep's personally requested him. Mm. You know that from... Well, we know that. (laughs) Asan said on a few podcasts, but I can assure listeners we know that from a gold plate source. Um, And clearly he wants to come to City. So it's a complete no-brainer for me. It's not a kind of typical City signing. I I think we'll all share some concerns about the age and injury, even if he does come in. But Kane is the definition of a kind of plug-and-play striker. It feels like a, you know, Yes, a lot of players kind of generally when they come in for Pep, you know, look at Mares, even look at Bernardo. They take look at Cancelo, they take six, maybe twelve months to kind of yeah. get up to speed. I think Grealish might take a little bit more time because he plays in that kind of different position in midfield, particularly if he's going to play more in a number eight. Whereas Kate, I think Kane will literally just be dropped in and it'll be like it would be like Ruben Diaz of last season where he just goes straight in. Yes, there's an adaptation period, but he's got the skill set. I mean, he we've seen over the last 18 months his ability to play more, kind of, you know, come deeper than link. That's going to that's gonna work so nicely with yeah. our kind of yeah. attacking players. And look, the Euros is a great example of how him and Sterling link together. That kind of, that link up is already pretty well trodden from their England days. Um, I think... Between the two of them, they've they've set each each other up combined over 18 times for England, um, which is phenomenal, really. So I, I really don't have too many concerns. Um, and I think it's really easy for City fans to yearn for Haaland because he's younger and because he's kind of sexier. But equally, you know, he's still a kid. Yes, he's, everywhere he's gone, he's smashed out of the park. But... You see, he would still have to come to the Premier League and do the same. We know with Kane that I just don't think there's any doubt that he's going to struggle to adapt. I I, I really can't foresee a situation where City signed Kane and he really struggled. It, it, I just genuinely think it's it's pretty unfeasible.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very much with you. And, and regarding the kind of the transfer model that, that kind of City are straying from this summer, um, I haven't really got a problem with that either, to be honest. Because for one thing, we've we've earned the right to do that. You know, for all the other kind of supporters and some aspects of the media criticise City for our spending, we 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 you know we don't break records. Um, we've got a perfectly sustainable kind of track record of buying players in the fifty to sixty million region uh, that immediately improve us. Um, whereas you know you look at say United by comparison um, or Chelsea too, you know, we go for very expensive purchases? We don't tend to do that. We've certainly earned the right. Given our success in the last few years, to go out and buy this blue chip striker for whatever it may be, one hundred and twenty million or so forth, so I've got no problem with that. And also, if you look at business, you know, and ultimately football as a business, you adhere to a model. Of course, you do. But in your best interest to do that. But if you adhere too closely to a model to the extent where it's you know kind of productive, um, to to not stray from it, then you know that's that's foolish, isn't it? So. There are going to be times, what, what, what I'm basically saying is, there are times where you have to go, okay, we need to just buy this ready-made, as you say, plug and play forward, who's going to immediately improve us. And then we will continue, therefore continuing with our transfer model that works so well for us. It just, it's ultimately, as you say, it's it's a no-brainer. So I've got no yeah, i Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think the thing that,
1: maybe City fans are missing slightly is that the upside if we're talking about best case scenario with Kane is I think Kane in this team could score 30 plus Premier League goals. Yeah, The amount of chances that we create I mean I think there was was probably a time in 2017-18 when we had Sterling Sane, uh, Aguero De Bruyne, Silva Fernandinho. I think if Aguero would have stayed fit in that kind of team. He could have done the same, and we never really fully saw that. Mm. But if you look back at Pep's time at like Bayern, the numbers that Lewandowski was putting up, <laughs> yeah. was the raw, the raw number of chances that we create. If we, you know, if we can get Kane into those kind of positions, we are. Ex- you know, how many times last season did we beat a team two nil and it was quite comfortable? But it could have been. It genuinely could have been five or six in so many games, because even though we managed to get two and, you know, Gundo managed to slot one away and Phil probably scored one, we still missed three or four absolute sitters. Um, So I just think, yeah, the upside is absolutely massive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait for them to happen because, I don't know about you, mate, but I'm just getting transfer rumors basically and then the transfer industry and then actual factual transfers that take a long time to to develop as they of course they do it leads to a kind of widespread madness amongst people <laughs> I, I mean on social media in particular you know i mean the villa fans have, have lost their heads recently um and some spurs fans too it, it's it's I, and then you, you look at other clubs and people who are upset their clubs not signing someone or they should sign someone and and so on and so forth. It, it, it just you know it leads to a summer madness and it it just seems to be getting worse. It feels more peaked this year than ever before. So personally, I'll be glad when the season gets underway and the transfer window closes. But yeah, well, I'm very much very much looking forward to it closing.
1: Uh, but I think it's. I mean, it sounds like eminently that. Grealish could be done, you know, in a matter of days. Whereas mm. clearly the Kane one is going to rumble, maybe not till the very end of the window, but I imagine it's probably going to go through, possibly into the start of the season. So yeah. there's a couple of weeks for us to all fucking
0: keep our fingernails
1: as
0: cut short as possible. Yeah. So yeah, like Spurs are reputedly after um, Vahalovic from uh, Fiorentina, um, forty million pound in the region of. Um, there's that to factor in too, you know, Ooh. it might be uh, the case where Levy wants to bring in someone before, um, you know, so that's all guaranteed and then they can let Kane go, um, so that's a factor, there's so many different factors but personally I'm of the opinion that Grealish and Harry Kane will definitely be Manchester City players but it's, you know, by two or three games into this season. I like your confidence, do Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fully convinced of it and, and I've had to write about uh, both players a lot this week and I'm kind of writing about them from, you know, I'm trying to temper it, obviously, in the writing, but in my head, I'm, I'm seeing them as certs. That's how I view it, but, you know, it is only my opinion. And ultimately, that's what the transfer talk comes down to. Me and you... We don't know, you know, we're not, we, we don't have an ear with the board. We 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 kind of, um, we don't know them. Um, and we're just going off information that's filtering out from people such as Sam. Um, and we're relying on that. So the rest of it, it is all opinion. I just wish that people on social media, um, and I'm really referring to every fan base here. I wish people on social media would just remember that none of us know. It's just opinion. That's all we're doing, we're swapping opinions back and forth. Um, And there's no need to get so irate. But but I think people, frankly, just enjoy getting so irate. Um, Okay, we we talked about City and the kind of straying away from their transfer model. I mean, United's done the same this summer in in the fact that they've actually done well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They've they've actually done something they haven't done for many a year. uh, And thus far, they're, they're... Making you know some decent signings and they're going about it the right way as well. Um, Sancho and Varane, I mean, as City fans, obviously we're going to have a little jibe here and there at them. Um, you know, seventy three million pounds, etc. For Sancho, but who are we to talk? We're going to kind of blow that out of the water immediately, I believe. So, as players, they improve United, don't they? Oh,
1: absolutely, best. Looking like the best window they've had since Ferguson, probably. Left. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Look, I mean, Sancho, Sancho is an unbelievable player um, to be putting up the numbers that he was in the Bundesliga at the age that he has, and even if you look at his Champions League stats, up there with the very, very best in the game. Yeah, um, you know, any club would be lucky to sign in Sancho and. Obviously, we had him. <laughs> it didn't work out for for various reasons, and ultimately, that decision has been just, just, justified to the absolute nth degree from Sancho's side to leave City and to go mm. and play for Dortmund. Um And it's you know it's led a bit of a a bit of a trailblaze for other young English players to go and do the same. Um, you know, look at Bellingham going there, and there's been plenty of others. Um, so, completely fair play to him and. United have been struggling for a number of seasons now in terms of having someone who can play on the right. Um, Obviously, they've kind of chopped and changed with Rashford or Martial or Pogba all playing from the left, and they've kind of got that covered, but they've really missed someone to kind of um, provide a bit of creativity from the right-hand side, and they've, they've probably signed, if not the number one option, probably in Europe, maybe number two or three. So... Obviously when your rival signs someone at that level, it's a concern. <laughs> um, and Varane, you know, I think there's a couple more question marks around Varane. I don't think his performances have been the same over the last maybe eighteen months as they have been, probably since he kind of emerged at Madrid, but irrespective. I mean I'm trying to I'm trying to think of negatives here from from a Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Varane is a, a, literally a gold plate defender, world yeah. class. Would probably get into, you know, I think if people were drawing up a, you know, kind of best team in the world, you could only choose four or five centre halves. He'd definitely be in the conversation. He might not be in the squad, but he's 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 in and around that kind of top five centre halves in the world, isn't he? So, mm. you know, for United to sign two players of that calibre is, is is obviously a concern. I think. My confidence from them not completely pushing us definitely comes from the manager. I st- I'm still not convinced that Solskjaer, irrespective of the wealth, that he, a wealth of talent that he has, has the kind of ingenuity across 38 games to really, really challenge um, for a title. They'll definitely be up there. Um, but obviously, they've still got a slight issue in midfield there's noises that Pogba might go, but I, I think it's probably unlikely, but equally United have said that they're not willing to let him go on a free next season. So there's, there's probably a good chance that that deal gets done if he doesn't sign a new deal, new contract. Mm. And then it's for them to go to the table and see if they can sign a, I don't know, someone like Declan Rice or I know you've put Camavinga in the, um, in the notes or, you know, someone that can play in that midfield position. Um, but I think if they lost Pogba, you know, as hot and cold as he can be, that would be a massive loss for United. Um, Pogba's a top player, and he's not nearly as consistent as probably he should be. But it, again, if we're talking about unique kind of skill sets and a guy that's gold plate, you know, Pogba is absolutely one of those and would improve any team. I'd take him at sea. You know, I think mm. he's, I think he's top level. Um, so that's just the main thing to note on them but yeah their business so far is uh, it's 10 out of 10 really isn't it I mean it probably couldn't have gone any better for United fans
0: No I mean the midfield I believe is, is key for United as regards to if you're looking at them finishing third next season or you know second out and without any kind of realistic chance of challenging um, either City or Chelsea whoever, whoever's top next year so it all comes down to the midfield because for me they've addressed their defensive issues now in the last couple of windows. Um, you look at their first choice back four now, and it's it's a strong back four. Um, as you said, they they have desperately needed a right sided attacking player now for for a number of years. Um, so they've addressed that and brought in the best player that they they could have got. Um, so it comes down to the midfield. I look at their midfield and think. Yeah, you're short there. You're short there, and you've got Paul Pogba, who I agree with every word you say on Paul Pogba. But at United, I don't think much of that applies. To be honest, mate, I think we've they've gone past that point now where it's not going to be kind of resolved. It's so not ever going to be rectified. He's never going to be a success at United. Um, with some players, that just happens. Um, I think, that you know, you can't imagine a point where you look back in years to come and go, oh yeah, Pogba, he struggled in the first couple of years at United, but when he turned it around, you just, you don't feel that, do you? You just know that... Mm, he's been there a long time now, and he has. Yeah, mean. it hasn't worked. They haven't got the best out of him. Um, He just doesn't fit there. Uh, and I think he's more of, of a hindrance and a help. So, uh, I think elsewhere, he would be a phenomenal player, but not at United. So, even if he leaves, um, it's not Overly problematic for United, I would say, assuming that they bring in the right people. It really worries me that they've been linked so heavily with Ruben Neves uh, at Wolves because he is exactly the kind of midfielder who they're short of. Um, Someone's not that good though. I, I don't Neves doesn't
1: doesn't concern me. I think really? if they were to... no, it's more if they got a Rice or Sal Niguez or someone who I think is just that level above. Yeah, because as well. Yeah, or, great shout, yeah, Goretzka, because I think the McFred partnership, as United fans call it, (laughs) is obviously, you know, definitely the worst in the top six in terms of midfields and how many games are won in midfields, particularly the big games where, you know, sometimes those games, and we saw it a lot last season, those games against the top six are very, you know, they're not basketball games, they become games of chess. Um, exactly with, yeah with yeah. the top coaches and when you've got those two midfields, i think you're generally going to come come down on the wrong side of those games um so that's their biggest concern um but right now where they are where their squad is at right now obviously they're in a great they're in a great position so let's just see what happens
0: over the next kind of few weeks for them um what about liverpool it, it's so odd that kind of they're mentioned so rarely amongst all this kind of transfer talk. Uh, they've obviously signed... Um, is it Kanate? How do you pronounce the...? Kanate, um, yeah. Kanate. I mean Kanate. Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times. And he's looked really good, but it's mainly what I'm going off, really, what I've read about him, what other people are saying about him. Clearly, he's been a real standout player in Germany and he's going to be a really good signing for Liverpool, no question about it. And, you know, not for nothing has he been compared to Van Dyke, so he's the perfect signing for them. Good price, effort's great. You look beyond him, though. Who have they been linked to right now? I mean, is it a financial problem? Do they just not have the funds Liverpool? Liverpool? Um, is, is Klopp kind of relatively happy with the squad he's got? I can't imagine that. I think we need an overhaul. Oh, that's too strong a word, an overhaul. But when you look at their front three and they've got basically two years left on their contracts and they're all coming into their 30s, they need to kind of spend a lot of money in the next couple of years and they need to start this summer, maybe. Uh, and then you look at the players they've been linked to. Jared Brown at West Ham keeps popping up. Is he a Liverpool oh, player? Bowen. Uh, Bowen, Bowen, sorry. Yeah, um, Jared Bowen. He, he's, he's, he's impressed at West Ham, to be fair, but is he a Liverpool player? Um, no. That damn guard keeps bringing... I, I'm very suspicious of these players who have... Played really well at the Euros. Suddenly being linked to Premier League clubs, you know, it just doesn't work like that. Premier League clubs don't just go, "Oh, he's a good player; we might go for him." You know, there's far more to it than that. Um, Barardi is another as well. You know, does well for Italy. So, who who will Liverpool after mate? What's what's happening there? I
1: don't know. It seems a bit of a it's a bit of a basket case, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, they a couple of three, four, three seasons ago, they were willing to. Obviously, go big and signed Allison and Van Dijk, and you know put put some real money down in the market. Um, and I thought that was probably going to be, you know, the start of you know Liverpool not maybe not spending City or Chelsea money, but you know, looking to bring in some of the top kind of talent around around Europe. And that just really hasn't happened. Um, you know, the, I think the Glazers private the Glazers sorry the Henry privately has said, um, you know, I've seen most Liverpool fans basically saying this um, that he's essentially wanting to put that money uh, into his other sports franchises yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, rather than Liverpool because they turn over so much and they can use some of what basically they turn over year to year but that's it's not really good enough um, at the top table particularly in the Premier League with how competitive it is um, and to be honest mate I would go further than what you said saying they need a bit of a refresh this summer. Liverpool needed a refresh two summers ago never mind one summer ago they needed to bring in and it's not we're not talking total overhaul here but you know mm. two or three players to to kind of bring the squad on and it's for me it's just classic scousers that you go on twitter now and we're talking about oxlade chamberlain being a new signing nabby Keita being a new signing these guys have been there for <laughs> three four years you can't be talking about them as new signings because they've been injured or basically Klopp doesn't want to pick them for the last three or four years. They are what they are, which is when it comes down to it, blokes that probably aren't going to be relied on and are going to be on the bench, um, and they're not going to be these kind of transformative players to start starting eleven that Liverpool needs. I just feel, look, they're, they're a great, they're, they've got a great kind of fourteen players, and Klopp is an unbelievable manager, but. For me, they just feel slightly over the hill in that they haven't refreshed. It's probably going to be a very similar starting eleven to what it was last season. Van Alden's gone; he's a massive player for them. They yes, not replaced, yeah. They've not replaced him. You know, I, I think some Liverpool fans I've seen have been a bit disrespectful from my to my eyes anyway about Van since he's left, saying oh he wasn't all that anyway, he didn't score enough, you know, he played better for Holland. No, he played every game for Liverpool, mm. and. To be honest, he was one of their best players generally, you know, pretty consistently. And I think the other thing is that he was he was very consistent, you he was, he was a proper seven, eight out of ten player. Yeah, he might not have scored loads of goals, but Clock clearly trusted him a lot.
0: Um well,
1: their team acting? isn't
0: set up. For, sorry, Mr. joke, but their team isn't set up in that manner anyway. It, it, you look back on, on the last few seasons, and you know you look back at their Champions League winning season, and you look back at their title winning season, and um, their midfield barely chipped in with goals anyway. They're so reliant on their front three to score, and um, I, I can't remember what the stats were last year, but it, it was unbelievable the percentage of Liverpool goals scored by their front three. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Definitely. yeah, I mean, that's such an odd criticism to, to level at I mean, um I've been a huge fan of his for years, and, and every time City have come up against Liverpool, and if I had to go on, you know, a Liverpool podcast and do a preview, I'd always bring him up and say he's a player who I feared because he always played well against City. So, oh, he loved a goal against us, didn't he? As well. <laughs> he did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah, I mean, f- for me, Liverpool feel it ju- they just feel like they've been a bit like that. City, when we kind of dipped in the fourth season under Pep, they feel like it just feels like they've been asked to go back to the watering hole too many times. Yeah, can't keep relying on Salomone Firmino to pull out the same ridiculous numbers season after season. I mean, they should have, to to my eyes, Firmino should have been kind of ushered out of the team probably 18 months ago, absolute worst 12 months ago in terms of you know, bit more bench. Seeing a new striker play, kind of take his role. Um, they should have signed Timo Werner. Uh, I don't know why they didn't stick up the money for him. But there've been other points where they just needed to turn the team over. And yes, Jota's come in and done well. But is Jota it? I don't think it. I don't think he is. Um, I don't think he's good enough to to kind of add that extra level to to their team. So look, they might they might pull some transfers out of the hat. But where we are right now. I just feel like I don't see them getting back to that unbelievable level that they were at. I, obviously, they're going <clears> to <throat> they're going to be contenders. They've still got great players, but I just feel like that squad is a bit thin uh, on quality across the board, and I can see
0: them struggling a little bit this season. I'm fine with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, one thing I will say in Liverpool's favour is they are very, very good at you know keeping their transfer business. Quiet, um, and, and you know, a lot of times it they just do tend to come out of nowhere and they're quite surprising, and I just can't see that this time though. No, it just feels different there, um, it feels like they're, they're to to reinvest uh, in the squad, and you can imagine them very very much getting bringing in another midfielder because of a need to get another midfielder in terms of numbers as much as anything else. Or will he turn to... They've K- got cater, mate. Don't worry about it. We've got cater, and they'll probably turn to Curtis Jones as well, who's an excellent player. but um, So maybe they won't. But that's the only kind of position you feel like they're going to strengthen. But they have got problems going forward because with their forwards and the fact that they're all turning 30 and they've got two years left or 18 months left on their contracts, do they give them expensive new contracts, which will take them on to 35, 36? I mean... They're going to be shot for the style of football that they play, and these forwards, you know, they need to be moved on. And and it's, you know, I don't envy them having to replace Mo Salah and Firmino and um, Mane. So, you know, they made a rod for their own back essentially by being so good in the transfer market in seasons past. Um, yeah, it's that's where they are, uh, and I, I I don't I don't want to say anything because I don't want to jinx anything. Because of course, as a city fan, I want this to be the case. But I don't see them threatening um, to any great degree this season, and if they don't strengthen in this transfer window, I don't see them threatening in seasons to come either. But well, let's wait and see. Well, that, on that would be one. nice. That would be it'd be a nice refreshing change, wouldn't it? it? Certainly makes social media a nice, more pleasant place to be. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, two more clubs I want to talk about before we kind of spread out and start looking at the good signings. Um, I really want to talk on, on Everton. Um, let's just kind of quickly t- uh, touch on them because there's not a lot to to talk about. That's my whole point, really. It's, it's kind of quite an underwhelming transfer window. I get Begovic, I get Townsend, I get Gray. Um, I think, what was it, 1.6 million for the three of them. Um, Everton last year were short of depth in in, in you know their squad uh, in mm. terms of quality and they've just brought players in who bring in some squad depth. I get that. So that's that bit sorted. Now they need to work on a team and that's just not happening. They're just not being linked to anyone and it just doesn't seem to be happening at all, it's particularly with a new manager in charge. You'd expect that to be the case. So how, how do you see kind of everything in their transfer business so far? Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a mess over there, isn't it? Mm. Um, Obviously,
1: you know, uh, there's also that situation with uh, potentially a certain attacking midfielder, which is, you know, obviously for (laughs) legal reasons, we can't discuss. Yes. uh, I I I didn't know where you were going,
0: but now I get, yes, yes, of course. But you know, obviously that's, that's a massive problem for them. Um,
1: Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, like you say, basically the best manager Everton have had in absolutely ages, walked out on them in the summer, probably pretty unexpectedly. Mm. Um, and I think they showed last season that they, to me, they were quite close to competing, but they were clearly just a couple of players short. Definitely. And yeah. I think they just needed, actually, I would throw a bit of it at Ancelotti. I think they just needed a bit more oomph from the manager in certain games to kind of, really go for it against some of the more trash teams in the league. And because they have quite a good set of results against the top six, but they would they would then drop points against the Wolves or, you know, they would go away to, you know, one of the kind of bottom six, like a Palace and lose out of nowhere. And you were just like, God, your top six hunt is really not happening. Um, in terms of their actual business, I mean, I think ultimately it's a lot more understandable and I think a good ploy for a team like Everton to sign that kind of player in that you are you know it's it is a squad game Um and I think actually when a what you know when City or Everton um, City or United kind of sign someone who's clearly saying number two signing like a number two left back or you know you mm. sign like a Javi Garcia or a Jack Rodwell kind of signing that that it just doesn't work at, at, the, at the very top level because everyone that comes in needs to be pushing for that yeah. starting berth, and you've got to have that quality mainly because you play twice a week, and you know you play Champions League, and the level is so high. I think to go and look at say a Townsend or Demari Gray is is it's more understandable. What is what I'm trying to say from an Everton perspective. Yeah. Having said that, though, um, Townsend for me. I, I, I'm not sure really why they're they're going for him. I mean, he's done okay at Palace. Um, Palace are clearly willing to let him go. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, yeah. Which says, I don't think says a lot about that deal. Um, Mm. I'm not enamored by it. Damari Gray, um, yes. uh, I've always thought he's quite bright and surprised that no one kind of nicked him from Leicester before he went to the, uh, the Bundesliga. And for that amount of money, I think that's a punt that's worth taking. Um, So I I have no issues with that signing. Begovic is probably a backup goalie, so fine, whatever. Um, I think the main one, you know, I'm just looking at their kind of transfer um, record from this summer, is Moise Keane's comeback on loan from PSG. Mm. Now, if they can integrate him properly and get a tune out of him, because there's been times, there was a time at PSG when he was the starting striker and obviously, you know, he played a bit against us in the, in know, in the semi-finals. He has got all the tools to score a lot of goals in any league um, yeah. and they have missed someone who can play in that front three in and around Calvert lewin or ultimately play when Calvert lewin you know, has an injury or he's suspended. So that seems like an absolute pivotal kind of point for me. But I, uh, aside from that, I'm kind of I'm with you. I'm baffled they haven't signed anybody else. And you know a midfielder
0: clearly, mate. We need a midfield. We don't actually have a midfield. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I've well they've got, got I mean they've got Decoré and Allen who if both fit are good players. Yeah, I've um, got um, Tom Davis who we rely on so much, and yet yeah, he he just doesn't offer them anything. So I mean, yeah, I could, of course, except that Decoré and Allen, but then you look beyond those two there's no depth whatsoever in that midfield and over a course of a season, if you're looking at a 55-game season for Everton, if uh, assuming they go deep in any competitions, then you can't get by on two midfielders. They needed strength in there and depth in there and leadership as well. I mean, you're hitting a nail bang on the head with their season last year where they had some really good results against the big clubs and yet just as they were on the cusp of, you know, you would look basically and go, oh, you know, a win for Everton this, uh, on Saturday, and that will take them kind of six or seven points above Liverpool, uh, and oh, they're at home to Brighton, and then they'll lose. Every time they put themselves in a good position to do well last season, that th- they failed. That is a psychological issue. That comes down to leadership. Um, and traditionally, on in any team, you look at that spine and you look at kind of centre-backs and the midfield. So clearly, it's not coming from those positions where players are saying, we win today this is our most important game of the season never mind yeah. the, you know the win over kind of united last week where everyone was raving about us we need to beat palace this saturday um so we need to bring in a player of that stature and it's going to cost a lot of money but i wonder how much of a kind of stadium it is becoming a factor um I really know the first know. strings you mean yeah yeah because you've got to play you've got a manager now benitez who you yeah. know as much as I know, I realise why he's unpopular with Everton fans, but he, he will get, he will improve him. Uh, he will get them into top six, given the funds. So the fact that he's not being given the funds, um, and, you know, the, the players as we've discussed who have come in instead, um, yeah, that that's, that's, that would be a concern for me if I was never turning out. i think, are, are we kind of doing a West Ham here? Are we kind of just, you know, keeping money back because of the stadium? Um, is this going to be the case for the next three or four years? Um, Are we just basically going to drift um, for the foreseeable? Um, that's what it looks like. But of course, as with all the clubs we're talking about today, we're, we're just speculating. We don't know what's going on in the background. They could have. No, and there's, there's, I think, yeah, there's four weeks to go, isn't
1: there? Yeah. So we're all we're doing is saying right now what it looks like. And yes, to this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. If they, if they pull out, you know, I don't know, they sign Zahar, Say for from Palace or something like that, hmm. then fair enough. I think then you know you, you can we can slightly revise what we're saying, but yeah, um, the, where they are right now, it's it's confusing. I think, I think you, I think that's a really good point about the stadium. I didn't think about that. That that must be having an impact because Everton generally over the last few years have been pretty willing to throw money at at the, at the issue, yeah. um, and they haven't this summer, so. There's
0: definitely something going on. Well, talking of clubs who like to kind of throw money at the issue, then um, brings us to one who hasn't so far, and that's really bothering me. Uh, and that's Chelsea. And um, I would describe their kind of um, lack of activity in the transfer market so far as ominous. Um, it suggests that there's a huge signing on the Concerning. horizon. It, it, it does. It concerns me. It, it, it suggests that they've got someone lined up, particularly when you see the, the kind of players who they're letting go as well um of course players come to the end of the contract youth players and um, loan players of which they've got many but it's like they're clearing the decks for a big signing um and we've seen this before with Chelsea and they do it very very well as well so mm. could it be a Harland could it be a Koundé um there's rumors of him coming in with kind of Zuma going the other way um it seems anyway that we can kind of narrow it down to a centre-back and a centre-forward who have two positions they're looking to yeah. strengthen. Um, Haaland, Lukaku, well, what do you think? Mate? Do, you, do you think they're going to go big this summer or do you think it might be a case where, you know, they've got their really good squad and they're going to wait a year for Haaland like, like, you know, people are suggesting that City should do? Yeah, so, I completely agree.
1: I think, Chelsea's silence is deafening. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, it really is.
1: Uh, it's concerning, uh, particularly because look, we've got to be frank about it. Towards the end of last season, they really had the uh the they had us, didn't they? Yeah. So,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, how many games did Tuchel beat us in a row? Yeah, uh, Four? Three. Three in a row. Yeah, three in a row. Yeah. Yeah, three in a row. So that's a concern. You know, they've they've shown that they can basically they've got our number a little bit and as a coach he is probably a lot better than I think a lot of English fans gave him credit for mm. when he came to when he came to the league. Their squad is unbelievable. Um, yes, they clearly do. They probably well, they clearly need and a half. I think they probably need a striker, but they've got. If you compare them to say our situation, they've definitely got more options than City do right now um, in terms of Aguero's left. Yes, we got Jesus, but. Apart from that, we're probably talking a false nine situation or Ferran Torres played up front. Whereas Chelsea, I think in Havertz, obviously Abraham um, probably won't stay, but they've got him at the moment and Werner. They've got what feels like, to me, enough options definitely to get them through a season. Um, Havertz has shown he can play up front. Werner has basically played up front most of his career, apart from last year at Chelsea. Um, So to me, the striker feels less necessary than say Kane does for City. Um but they do need that that centre half. So I imagine Kounde will probably get done. What a signing that would be. Mm. Um he would slot into the kind of um the right centre back position for them and they would probably have you know they'd be calling on him Tiago Silva and maybe Rudiger as a back three with Aspilicueta and and Christensen to rotate in and out. That's pretty Pretty stacked, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that would give them a lot of options. And then obviously, you know, they've got Reese James and say Chilwell at, at wing back, that's a that's a top, top, top level back five. Um if they continue to play that system, which it looks like they will. Um so yeah, and I think f- from the striker side, I, I just feel like Haaland seems like he's probably not gonna move this summer. Um that just seems to be the case. Yeah. Now if they If they throw 170 million at it, then obviously that will change things. And I imagine, because of his release clause next summer, I imagine Dortmund would, you know, would would gold stamp it and say, let's let's do it. Um, But are they going to spend that money? I mean, it's a hell of a lot of money when they know that they can sign him for potentially half next summer, and it does look like, you know, that he's been lined up to go to Chelsea. So, yeah, I mean. I think they probably might not sign a striker, mainly because as we're experiencing ourselves, there aren't that many options. Lukaku seems happier into Haaland is is going to be an unbelievably expensive transfer to do. I'm not saying that they can't be done, but I think it's it seems like it could be difficult for them to sign a nine this summer. But look, if they had Koundé with the squad that they've already got, they are going to be, I think, our biggest competitors next season. And yeah. you've got You know, you've got a lot of guys who give them an extra year at Chelsea, give them an extra kind of few months under Tuchel. They're just going to go from strength to strength. You know, they've got guys like Ziyech who we didn't see that much of last season. And, you know, you've got people like Pulisic that are going to come through. And, you know, look at Billy Gilmore, how he played for Scotland at the Euros. You know, they've just got options all over the pitch. So, um, obviously, if they sign a nine, then shit the bed. You know, I think we all need to... um, (laughs) You know, we all we all re- might need to slightly revise our predictions, um, but I think it it seems unlikely. But there's a month to go. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I definitely think they'll sign a centre back, and uh, it probably will be Kounde, and, and he's a, a great player, so he'll, he'll strengthen them. Um, yeah, Rudiger as well. Uh, I don't think you mentioned as a defender. He's been so important to Chelsea, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Ziyech is. He's a really, really good player who just happens to have struggled a bit in his first season in English football. So if he if he is one of those players, uh, and the same applies to Verda as well, and we see it so often, they just need that season to climb out to a new club or a new country, new style of play, whatever it Definitely. may be. If they if they fire, if he comes out firing, Zayek, what a player he is! Brilliant. So. He was phenomenal in Holland, so yeah, um, that could be the archetypal new signing, as it were. Um, oh, but, and look, and what if Werner you know turns the corner and starts? Yeah, absolutely, you know, he's capable comfortably of 20 25 goals and just in the Prem, so yeah. And, and Kai Havertz has done that now, he is you know, he, he needed you know half a season as opposed to a season, and so we saw at the tail end of last season and throughout the Euros what an incredible player he is. So they've got numerous options up front where they don't need a striker. So just do us a favour, Chelsea, and don't. Just don't get a striker. Just
1: leave it yeah, for don't,
0: now. Don't be dickheads. Come on. <laughs> um Looking beyond the top six, the club has been impressed me, really. Um, well, there's two, actually. Well, there's three. Let's be fair. Crystal Palace, Norwich, and Leicester. Um, mm. Leicester have done brilliant. They always do brilliant. Uh, Samare from Lille for £17 million is an absolute steal and exactly the kind of player that that they need. Um Daka, um I've not seen you know, any of him, but what I do know is that some people rate him as a potential next elite striker, the next Haaland, the next Lukaku. Um paxton Dacker and um, what's really notable is that he was tearing things up with Salzburg traditionally they they then go from Salzburg to RB Leipzig, but in this instance Leicester mm. swooped in and and got him for is it twenty three million pounds, so they could have a real steal. Um, and In Nacho was brilliant last year, but they did need to bring in a backup to Vardy, and they've done Definitely. so. Um, so straight off about there, they've got some great players. Norwich have, have done really well on the quiet. You mentioned Billy Gilmore earlier. Um, it's a really fascinating loan deal there. Um, you know we've they, lost Buendia, but you know we've brought in Gilmore. Um. Ben Gibson's a really important player for them so for them to sign him permanently because um, he was so important to them last season um, they actually kept clean sheets Norwich City were actually tight at the back while still playing their kind of attractive open football up front so they <laughs> they've finally struck a balance and so much of that is down to Ben Gibson so a big player for them um, but Palace they've really done well I mean they could be watchable this year Patrick Vieira in charge Michael Oles, in fact, another quick winger. We, we just seem to love signing these kind of really tricky fast wingers. They've got Zaha now, Eze, Oles um, from Reading, still a teenager, um, scored seven, 12 assists for Reading. Um, looks like the real deal. Um, yeah, proper Eze kind of signing, like picked some top talent out of the championship. Yeah, which is what they do so well. And yet they've also got um Dushin Anderson from Leon, who, you know, is yeah, a crack, amazing signing. Cracking acquisition him. Um one player who I'm not aware of, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm aware of him. Um I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's Mark Gouhey, is it, from Chelsea? Well, me, yeah.
1: Um, so I know actually from speaking to Liam Twomey who's like the athletics version of Sam yeah, uh, like the Chelsea correspondent he is like was really highly rated at Chelsea and right. I think people that cover Chelsea are slightly perplexed that they've let him go to be honest um, particularly given that they obviously need a centre-half um, mm-hmm. and that there might have been a chance for him there but clearly that's been sanctioned as has Tomori to go to Milan and they're basically yeah. gonna use a lot of that money to sign uh already kind of established player like Jules Kunde, who yeah. you know is
0: just already at that level, you bring him straight in. Well he's got eleven England with 21 caps, so you know clearly and and I've seen kind of some clips going around of like he's done a no look penalty, hasn't he? And that kind of stuff. So um yeah, for a centre back, um some really interesting signings outside of Palace. Um, any other clubs I've missed out there or, or do you think they're the three who have kind of impressed you too? Yeah, so
1: I think with Palace, it's really easy to get drawn into. Uh, I feel like if... I'm burnt by like previous seasons where we've started this podcast and gone, Everton have done good business. <laughs> <laughs> top top six issue. Yeah. Um, I think I would temper the Palace slightly because i feel those are to me those look like great signings Mm. for sure but their squad is a mess
0: yeah yeah they have the
1: oldest squad in the league yeah they've lost the manager in hodgson who whilst they might not play fantastic football would guaranteed keep them up every year and i think with that turnover and the new manager that's i think it's a they have got a I think an upwards uphill task of staying up this season. I think they could they could struggle, Mm. and I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's any kind of real confidence that Vieira is going to definitely, definitely be a great coach. You know, there's there's big question marks by his time at Nice. A lot of fans didn't like him. um, Said it was kind of possession football just for the sake of it, rather than you know actual kind of progressive attacking football. So I think they could they could still struggle however the business that they've done so far is exactly what they needed and looks good business. So yeah. fair play it's definitely looking more positive there than it was 6 weeks ago. Um but I think Eze being out with the Achilles injury is massive for them. Um you know he's not going to kick a ball till uh, Christmas at the very least. Mm. Um he's you know I'd say he's probably their second most important player behind Zahar now. Um so I still think Palace could struggle. Um, I think Leeds, to me, look like they've done a bit of cheeky business. Obviously, they've signed Harrison, yeah, permanently. That's you know that's completely expected. But they've nicked Junior Furpo at left back um, from um, from Madrid uh, from Barca, hmm. um, who you know there, there was a chat that we were going to sign him a couple of seasons ago proper highly rated left back, hasn't worked out at Barcelona, just screams of the kind of player that Bielsa's just going to love and yeah. will just suit that Leeds team and would allow them to play um, a back four slightly more often and have Stuart Dallas in midfield instead of having to play him at left back. Um, so that's that to me looks like a really good kind of steal. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Palace definitely, I think the only other one is um, Wolves have managed to nick uh on loan from Barca. That's another great consequence of Barca being yes. doing like an absolute shit show that you're managing <laughs> to sign these great players on loan. Um uh but yeah, I think the the main yeah, the main one for me is all the guys that you've mentioned, and I think the player that stands out the most, again, you've also mentioned is Daka. That feels like the best signing. Mm. Um Again, obviously, I've hardly seen anything of him. I think I've seen him play maybe twice in like Europa League games. But from just from what you know, people that know their salt about European football say that just smells like a another great buy from Leicester, where they've gone and taken that risk that say a City or a Spurs or someone might not buy just at that level. They they want to wait for you know a team like Leicester to take that risk and. Um, it feels like they could be, you know, maybe flipping him in a couple of years. Um, because centre forward was clearly a big problem for them last season. It's where they were struggling. bodies obviously fallen off a bit of a cliff now, finally, at the age of I mean, <laughs> thirty four or thirty five. They needed they needed that 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 number nine. So they've they've clearly addressed that. So yeah, that smells like a
0: a great buy from me. Well, I mean, you say you don't know a lot about Dakar in the same place to me, but that's what you want, isn't it? I mean, that's what you really, as a, as a kind of someone who doesn't support that club, I would much rather kind of Leicester, etc., buy players who I'm not really that familiar with. And um, it's exciting, you know, it's intriguing. You, you, you hear about how great they are, like Dakar and what's how high his ceiling is, and you want to see for yourself and, and see what what he brings to the Premier League. And um, you know, far better that than say, James Madison to Arsenal or kind of, you know, mm-hmm. someone, cause, okay, you know, that'll be mildly intriguing, but you know that he'll do well there and he's just basically wearing a different colour shirt. um. So, yeah, okay, well, before we wrap up, just a bit of sympathy is due to West Ham fans because in doing, in researching this pod, I discovered that their main transfer rumour going around right now is Phil Jones on a free transfer. Um, oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, we deserve better than that. I love, I love the Hammers. So, um that's not good, right, Well, I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much for um, for chatting today. Cheers, mate. I just realised actually the only one I forgot to mention
1: is when Dieter Villa is a great signing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh,
0: it's almost as if they're aware that they might be losing out on on a creative attacking midfielder in in the weeks to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well cheers thanks lot, cheers mate and thank you very much for listening everyone that's a wrap for today um, the pod window has closed we're off to buy a purple sex toy that we can wave around behind a Sky Reporter's head socially distanced of course take care of yourselves and forever up the greenish sign in blues